This week on One Body Stewarding God's Creation, Allison Ochoa and Mary Schrader talk about issues for Catholic mothers. What do you do when your child thinks church is boring? How does one raise children in a gender-confused world? Well, let's find out. Allison and Mary are being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, Ken Billinger. We'd like to welcome in Allison Achoa, is a freelance writer, adjunct instructor at Fort Hayes State University, professional volunteer, wife, mother of three beautiful children with a degree in communications from Fort Hayes State University. And uh, Mary Schrader is a professional stay-at-home mother with a religious education degree from Franciscan University in Steubenville, married to Gordon Schrader, and oversees the education of their eight children at home through a virtual school based in Lawrence. Two very busy ladies, and uh, we're here today to talk about issues Catholic mothers deal with. Welcome, ladies. It's always a treat to have you. Thank you. Thanks. Because there's always a lot of energy in the room, and I like that. It, <laughs> You're a, saying to mothers of, of multiple children, yeah. energy is something, yeah, we might have a little coffee in us today. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, because this is a good way to, good way to end the day. So we're going to talk about, obviously... We, we live in a very strange culture, I think, right now, very backwards culture. But it seems like today moms struggle with a perfectionist attitude regarding parenting practices, including nutrition, discipline, spiritual practices, feelings of guilt and being overwhelmed often result from that. So what are some suggestions you might have for healing from these parenting struggles, some of the things that, uh, that you have to deal with today? Well, some thoughts that I had were just that um, it seems like everyone's trying to make themselves look good these days. Um, and with social media now, we have it in our faces all the time. We're always on Facebook or Twitter or all those other different sites. Just And we're constantly putting our best foot forward, which is good. But at the same time, it can be really intimidating. Like I was even and com- false. I was even commenting to a homeschooling friend of mine. I was like, this other homeschool mom with eight children just posted pictures of her kids out reading in nature. And then they were painting. And they looked so beautiful. And the house was clean. And I was like, I can't do that. <laughs> well, so often it's a false, it's a false sense of perfection. It's not. I mean, well, we, we yes. want to show off the best of our family. And, the, you know, we don't show the messy bathroom and the dirty well, laundry. And, and my friend had a really good point. She said, you do you. That's her thing. You do you. And I was like, yeah, all right. <laughs> I actually have that written down on my notes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, hey, look at us. But anyway, I was just saying that sometimes, um, you know, we feel the need to add up, but we have to step back, like we're saying, and remember that our point isn't to look good. Like, that can be a side. A holy family can look good, but it doesn't always. Like you said, it's messy, and we need to remember that everything we do comes from God, and that's why we're here, and that's our point. I think that's when we miss that. That's when we get upset, and we get overwhelmed, and we struggle with these things. Right. And, you know, the the world we live in now is obviously, I mean, back in the day, your whole goal was just to stay alive. Right. I mean, that was it was a life or death thing. And every day that was just your goal. And now we're so busy and we're so, you know, whether it's via social media or um, just our interactions with other parents or going through the drop off or pickup lines at school. And we see, oh, my gosh, you know, they're driving this car and that car and they look so great at 730 in the morning. And, you know, whatever the case might be, I think there's like it's a self-imposed sense of perfection or a duty to be as perfect as possible. So my I guess my first 
thought would be just to take a breath, step back and just take a breath and put things into perspective. And I admit that I, I struggled more with this with Nathan, my oldest, um, you know, being the first child and, you know, you're trying to do everything right and everything by the by the book. And, and then you realize, oh my gosh, there are so many books out there and there are so many <laughs> experts and lots of people with lots of letters after their name. And, and you know, so it's, it's all of that kind of stuff. But I guess my, my other, my second thing would, after you take a breath, figure out what your needs are. What are the needs of your family? What are the needs of your kids? And, you know, obviously staying alive, that's primary for you know for now but when you look at the at the primary goal long term it's to build saints and get yourselves to heaven so as catholic moms i think that's where our focus should be even though it not isn't always that way well and at that same time i think i've heard this maybe on a website or reddit or something there's a point where you just survive and then there's a point where you thrive Mm -hmm. and while we're just surviving that's our our basic goal we need to not forget that we're called to more so Mm -hmm. once you've kind of leveled out don't forget to to thrive as well, you know, right. through the good stuff. And you, cause I know like sometimes I, I just had a baby and I'm like, oh, I'm so overwhelmed. We can't do our regular prayer time. We can't do whatever. And it's like, okay, things are settling. We need to put this back. You know, right. things are settling. We can do quiet time again. Things are settling. We can, you know, and sometimes it gives and it takes, you're sick or you're not, but you know. Yeah. And I think too, it's really important to communicate with your spouse. Um, if you happen to be a single parent, you know, get that person that you feel that you trust get that person that you feel confident in, who can support you in how you parent and in helping you make those decisions for your kids and being you know look at the areas in which you struggle and then once you kind of have those figured out say okay this is what we're going to target and we're going to work on this until we get better at it not perfect but better you know so just make sure that you're communicating with you know the trusted people that surround your family not necessarily worrying about what everybody else from the outside looking in is is doing or saying or thinking well and as a blanket statement i would say that just um now that I've had so many kids, like you were saying, you know, you've changed your philosophy changes with each. And now I'm like, there is no book. Like, they each have their own book. And <laughs> what works for one doesn't work at all for another. And, you know, it's just, it's just, if you keep the right attitude in mind, you just kind of ride the waves, you know, and do what you can. <laughs> yeah. well, we're going to talk a little about mass attendance. And I, that, I just, um, parents, I know that can be a struggle. I think this is probably the question of the day. How do mothers encourage their children when they don't want to attend Mass? That's a hard one. And I I can only speak to it from a younger children's perspective. Mary can talk a little bit about the older kids. But I would suggest first finding out what troubles they're having with attending Mass. You know, is it that they just can't keep their concentration? Is there something truly bothering them? Can they not see? Can they not hear? So some of it is just a matter of determining, you know, physical location while you're at the at the church. I would remind them too that, especially when you can have those deeper conversations with older kids, to remind those kids that the Eucharist is the source and summit of our faith. That's the most important part of our faith. And so we really need to keep that in mind. And also the fact that, you know, God gives us so many hours in a week. And so having one hour dedicated to give back to him is, is really not in the grand scheme of things. Um, it's a very small gift, but it's a very meaningful gift to him. Another suggestion I would have just considering the age of your children might be to invest in a mass journal, something where they go and they take it to mass and they can, you know, as the re- particularly as the readings are, are taking place, that they can sit there and they can write notes. I'm a, Mary knows, I'm a habitual note taker. And at mass, I always have this little mass journal that I think we got from, what is it? From Dynamic Catholic. Oh, and yeah. we had them at, at the church one time, they were giving them out. And I've used this faithfully and it's so 
it helps me get so much out of the mass and I write down questions I have or things from father's homily or just something that really struck me about the readings and I think it's so important just to help keep my my focus because if I write it down chances are I'm listening a little bit closer to it so for some kids that might be important I would also suggest just praying for guidance as a parent I mean obviously prayer is should be central to our to our daily lives but pray for guidance as a parent in helping your child get the most out of the mass and then pray with your kids and ask their saints for intercession so you've got you know saint paul major can you know major convert <laughs> to the faith it literally had a um, a lightning kind of ex- lightning bolt kind of experience saint augustine another major convert to the faith and i think you know inter- asking saints for their intercession can only be a good thing so those are those are the places that i would start we also, for mine, for the so I'll speak to little kids first. Like if you've got little kids that don't want to go, like Al said, that's really good thinking about the logistics of it. We also do something um, in our house that's, I don't know, kind of silly, but we do mass practice. Because, I mean, to the level that they can handle, like a couple of my boys, um, I realized the other day um, they're like seven and nine maybe, or maybe they're eight and 10 now. No, I don't know. Somewhere around there. They're-ish. But they've received First Communion, okay? So I expect a little more from them. The younger ones, right, I just want them to be quiet and sit in the pew and realize, you know, occasionally they'll get a glimpse of what's going on. Like, my youngest son is very precocious. Well, not my youngest son, Peter, okay? My youngest son now is Benjamin. They keep changing. But anyhow, he is very precocious. And like, when I hold him, he has trouble sitting still. Like, he is just a fidgeter up and around and around and around. And he is my humility son, I think, because I cannot, no matter what I do to him, I cannot get him to be a pious little boy and just sit there because he does not sit still. But he, like, I'll be like, Peter, what's Jesus doing? Or, or what's, where's Jesus? And he'll look and point up at the cross. You know, Peter, where's Mary? And he'll point at the statues. Or Peter, what's Father doing? And a lot of times, you know, Father's up at the altar and, oh, he's, he's up there. Oh, he's got the, look, listen, are the bells going to come? Oh, the bells are going to come. He knows. He loves the bells. You know, what's happening now? Oh, Father has the cup. Oh, and it's really, it's just really neat to see him connect for a minute. Or like at the Easter vigil, I was like desperate for anything. And I'm like, Peter, Father's gone. Where did he go? And he's looking up at the altar and Father had went to go bless the holy water and fill the stuff on the usual vigil. But, you know, it took him a minute to get out of his, he was like throwing a fit in the middle of the aisle, of course, because my children are so holy. And, you know, he was like, oh, I got to find Father, you know. So that's what I'd say for the youngest ones. But then the older ones that have received First Communion, I, I, I strive to a little more standards. I want them to pray along as best they're able. You know, I want them to sing the songs. If they can't read, well, then sing what you can, or at least be standing and paying attention. You know, I want them to say the Our Father, and I want them to say the great Amen, because I realized one of my sons who's received First Communion wasn't even saying Amen when he got up to receive Communion. I was like, why do you not do that? And he said, I forget sometimes, Mom. I can't remember what to say. <laughs> it's like it's one word. I'm like, do. honey, it's not that hard. So we practice. We're better now. It's not that he doesn't believe. He just, you know, he has a different, each kid has their own thing, yeah. you know. So we would practice standing up straight because that's one of my things too. We stand up straight. We practice saying the Our Father. We practice um, the great amen. Like those are important. And then if they go forward, they receive a blessing or if they're going to receive to practice saying Those are for my next stage kids, you know. And then in order to practice these things more, I feel like going to daily mass once a week is really, really beneficial. I know we're really blessed at our Catholic schools our kids go twice a week and I know that's really good for them but since we homeschool I have to make the effort but I really feel like it helps them get it more mm-hmm. you know they get more practice they're even better so I've and, talked as, a lot, but. and if you set the example as a family I mean if you do things as a family the kids are going to get it yes. they're going to see the example they're going to live the example so things 
you know, you can do it individually or you can do it as a family. So, I mean, have your family be greeters at church. Mm-hmm. Explain, you know, we want to welcome people because they're coming in to celebrate this mass with us. So, you know, be greeters. You know, in some churches, like I know at Immaculate Heart of Mary, they have people that hand out the, the missalettes. They don't keep them in the pew. So, you know, volunteer your family for that type of, of a job. And, and that helps the kids get involved and see that people are coming to Mass. Or you can take up the gifts. I know most of the parishes do that. I used to love doing that when I was yeah. little. Or even once that once they're old enough and can really take an active role individually, you know, maybe then they want to be part of the choir or they want to serve, do a, serve be a song leader, be a lector, you know, whatever the case might be. It's, it's just the more active you are, the more engaged you are. And I wanted to take a moment and speak specifically if this was a question I didn't really know quite where we were going with it. And I only have a barely teen. She's 13. But, you know, when kids get older, they kind of have different reasons sometimes for not going to Mass. And there was just something that kind of struck me. I was thinking about, like, how, well, this isn't really an issue for me. I feel like because with my daughter, you know... I wonder if some people want, um, I, I would step back, you know, if you have a teenager that's kind of veering away, do they? Do you have a good relationship with them? Maybe you need to work on your relationship with your child first, because if I feel like if, if you're connected to your child, like my daughter, Rebecca, we have this bond, and I, it, maybe it's just because I, I rely on her so much to help with the little kids, and she does so much for me, and then I give her special privileges, or she gets special time with dad, or me, you know, doing things that the little kids can't, and I just feel like we're really connected, and so even if she didn't believe in God, for whatever reason, I feel like out of love for me, she would probably come to Mass and sit and be respectful just because she loves me. And so I think that like if you start with a relationship with them and then you can move on to the explanation of how awesome it really is, you know, good catechesis at, at age-appropriate levels. You know, obviously my younger ones, I'm, they're just getting the basics. But then like Rebecca right now is on fire with her faith because she just got confirmed and she's reading all those books in the back by Matthew Kelly and all the dynamic Catholic books and, and just eating it up. And she's at a level where she can wait more understand what goes on in the mass and I wonder if some teenagers just don't realize what they're missing because we do it all the time it's so mundane and humdrum so wow there's some great uh, great information there and I, I just well no I'm just I was just thinking about you said she's on fire for the faith she was just confirmed it was that fire the yeah, of the whole yeah unit, absolutely uh, spirit which is great. That's what's supposed to happen. We're going to kind of move out of the Mass. I think you had some great ideas for the Mass. I, I, I just think for parents that can be very challenging. And so um, I think some certainly mentioned some great ideas. But we're going to kind of move into the, uh, the crazy world that we live in today. Our, you know, our, our culture is a little bit crazy. And so restricting children with cell phones, we're going to tackle that topic <laughs> you know especially this has got to be tough when other mothers not everybody seem to be doing the same thing um, you know it's like maybe your kids don't have those things how do we teach our children to transfer you know transform our culture with holiness especially when it's not a popular thing to do there's so many things kids pulled so many different ways share your thoughts on on that how we work through those things well this is where I had my you do you theme set because <laughs> and I don't claim that that was for my friend. right right well I've heard this multiple times and I think that in a lot of respects it's very true you need to do what works best for your family and I think that in our in our culture anymore you know back back in the day again you used to I mean there was a level of respect it was parents and the children respected the parents and a lot of people today you know you hear about them wanting to be friends with their children instead of like having a parental child relationship, which doesn't always work. And I think when it comes down to your particular family, you have to decide with your spouse, what is it that we value as a family? What is it that we value? What is it that we're going to to do to enforce those values or to build those values up in our children? And then 
you really can't worry about what everybody you know else is doing, what the next person down the street or the family across the street is doing. And I, I get through this a lot with my kids, especially I think about the second and third grade level where they start seeing there are differences in how people live. And, you know, some people have bigger houses and some people have smaller houses and some people, uh, you know, some kids have all these toys and some kids have all those toys. And a lot of kids have the electronics and the cell phones. And, and you know, when, you, when you're starting to talk about cell phones at a, a almost fourth grade level and fifth grade level, and you've got a lot of, why can't I, mom? Why can't I have this? Why does so-and-so have this and I can't? So it really goes back to communicating with your husband or wife that you, you know, what, what is we value and what we're going to do to reinforce that with our kids and be on the same page so the kids are not pitting one against the other. And then once you get that taken care of with your spouse, then it's your turn to communicate not just because I said so, but why is it that I'm saying this? Although that's a legitimate response. I just want to say. <laughs> it absolutely is. I am the mother, and if I say so, that's how it is. That's how it is. Yeah, and you should just respect it and move on. I agree. But then, you know, really explain why. Because once the kids have an understanding of why something is the way it is, it's easier to digest. And it's easier to probably put up with the peer pressure from everybody else. Yeah, because my mom says so is kind of lame when it comes to explain it to your kids. I totally understand that. Um, but I wanted to speak to the, the culture part, transforming the culture. I kind of had some thoughts on this. Um, I think it's important not to sugarcoat life. I mean, true, the truth of Christianity is awesome. We have a God who loves us so incredibly much that he sends his only son to die for us and restore us to him. He forgives us as often as we ask. He loves us with endless amount of mercy. He, but, and he gives out of love, he gives us the guidelines and routines for worship. But that doesn't mean that life is all roses. I mean, there are plenty of crosses for us to bear. And in joining in Christ's sacrifice through our suffering, big or little, we purify ourselves to better receive Jesus. And the sufferings might not be physical. You know, they could be putting up with a bully and not talking back. They could be in a social setting. They could be saying no to gossip and walking away. They could be choosing not to attend a party where you know there might be alcohol or temptation to be alone with your boyfriend or girlfriend. Like there's different opportunities to sacrifice in our life. And I think it's important that we start teaching our children from little on up because this just kind of hit me the other day because we kind of, we moved from in town, a very cozy, comfortable life to out of town in a very difficult, struggly type life in a, in a physical sense almost because, you know, the there's not a lot of room in our new house and it's dirty or it's not clean or, you know, you have to work to, the kids had to chop wood to, to, to put in the fire. You know, we have to drag our water to cook meals. Like there's hard, life is hard, you know, and it's, it's meant to be. And we need to not shy away from things just because they're difficult, whether they're mentally or emotionally or physically difficult. We need to embrace the cross, you know, and as Mother Teresa says, be faithful in small things because it's in them that your strength lies. So little sacrifices keep us from getting too comfortable. And that's good because when we get too comfortable, we're more likely to be confused by the serpent. And then we can kind of lure off the path, you know, but when we're constantly refocusing. So like even my kids come to me, oh, I have this owie. And I'm like, well, can you offer that up for something? Oh, you know, or or I have to struggle. I don't like this shirt for church. And I'm like, well, we're in the car. We're 30 minutes from home. You're going to wear the <laughs> shirt for church, okay? Mm-hmm. Try to offer that up. Every time that tag sticks you, you just think, I really want to offer this for my family. Or I want to offer this for, you know, whatever intention they might have and you know that's that's the beginnings of understanding and then as we build up these little saints when they get older and they have more struggles like more peer pressure and Mm -hmm. things hopefully we've built a foundation of understanding how to deal with that and how to behave as an adult as they grow older so they can overcome it without our constant uh, guidance through it 
Right. And, you know, you, uh, Ken, I know you were talking to Father Fred on Tuesday morning, and I think in that conversation I heard him say, if you don't indoctrinate your kids in the faith, they're going to embrace the culture. You're going to lose them to the culture. And, you know, how true that is, whether it's, you know, our social media or video games or other electronic cell phones or um, just any of the, the entertainment and the the things the world gives us to embrace and to say, hey, I'm going to make your life better. You need to have this or have that. But I think all of these are kind of, we talk a lot about teachable moments, you know, and I think all of these can be instances where we have those teachable moments and learning moments that we can really start to view things through our lens of faith. So, you know, why is it that as Catholics, we do X, Y, or Z? You know, why should we do X, Y, or Z? Is it going to get us to heaven? Is it going to make us better better people? Is it going to make us more like the saints? You know, so all of those types of things, you don't want to ignore the culture, but you don't necessarily want to embrace the culture. Right. You want to, and yeah, helping form their conscience. That's yeah. the best thing is you're saying that. Also, um, there's this other point too. Like, like I said, my daughter just got confirmed, which is so exciting. I just can't stop talking about it. But, but it's so true. We're getting ready to choose. We do homeschool right now, a virtual school, and we're trying to decide if we're going to continue that program as she goes into high school or if we're going to attend a regular high school. And, you know, as we start looking at these different high schools, everyone has an opinion and they're telling us, don't go to this one or go to that one or stay away from this one because it's bad. And, you know, I, I respect that and I appreciate the input. But at the same time, part of me is like, you know, my daughter can go out and make a difference. Maybe God is asking me to send my daughter out. Who are you going to send? Maybe my daughter needs to go out and and be that that woman for Christ in, in the schools and, and make that positive influence that, that needs to be out there. Maybe that's what he's asking. I'm not saying he is. We haven't decided anything yet. Maybe she's still too young. I don't know. But, you know, we need to really consult God on these matters and see it's not so much protecting from the culture like you're putting a blanket over them, but we're teaching them to be we're, that we're all called to love our neighbor and live in communion and care for each other and they need to learn how to do that and at some point they have to go out and do it you know well i think you make a great point about calling on god we we tend to try to you know years ago i'd hear that well i got to pray about it and i never understood that i was you know i'm a cradle catholic but i wasn't a very good Catholic for a lot of years. And I just think that's so important to, to be able to pray about it. Well, there's also Mary. a point. You don't, like, your kids at one point, they're a liability, but then you want them to become an asset. You know what I mean? Like, then that's kind of what confirmation does. You know, we're all just kind of growing up in the face and learning about God. As, as my pr- professor in college used to say, you go from the inner life of the Trinity to God's foreign policy. So now you're on the front lines and you're a soldier, you know, and you move out. And so it's like, it's like right now I have liability, but I want them to become assets. I want them to help me in our mission together. And it's kind of scary, but it's important to remember that these are all gifts from God and we have to give them back. We have to let them go. We can't Mm -hmm. just shelter them. We can't bury them in the sound. They are like our talents. We can't just bury them and expect it to be okay. We have to send them at least to the bank to get interest. And, and God will call us into account for whatever we did with our kids and, mm-hmm. absolutely. and how we did yeah. with our kids. You brought up was just the fact that, you know, your kid's talking about, I don't like this shirt or, you know, it itches or this or that, just offering it up. The culture today is so uh, opposed to any kind of pain, any kind of, you know, it's like anything to avoid pain. I think that's, and really that's where we've gone with uh, even the culture of the the culture of death, as I call it, because, you know, we hear people saying, I I don't want to go through seeing my fathers suffer, so we need to let them, you know, if they want to kill them, if they want to die, they can die. You know, abortion is something, well, I, you know, I don't want to deal with this. So again, the abortion happens, unfortunately, 
what young women don't understand is the pain becomes worse after that because of what they've gone through. And so we, uh, the, this, the culture wants to avoid pain, and they want to avoid well, suffering. Yeah. Yeah, we just had this discussion. Rebecca, open my eyes. We drive 30 minutes to town every day now, and we get a lot of discussing it, and it's really great. But um, she was saying that, you know, I was, we were talking about, like, the way um, advertisements and stuff. And she's like, well, the advertising companies want people to divorce because then they have to buy two of everything. And I was like, wow, you came up with that all on your own? And I mean, that's, that's but I'm, I'm very proud of her for understanding that just because it's presented a certain way isn't necessarily in your best interest. You know, oh, you should take that vacation. Well, no, maybe you shouldn't. Maybe you should save that money or give that money to the poor. You know, that's not necessarily, they, they want you to spend and to, to be comfortable because they know that will get them profit. Mm-hmm. You'll continue to buy their products. You'll, you'll divorce your spouse so that they can get more money from you because then you have to have two, like she said. I mean, and it's really kind of fun. I've loved to see my their minds tweaking. Sam the other day came up to me and he was saying how, um, I forget what it was, like, breath mints or something and he says they're fat free or sugar free that's what he says but they're actually mostly sugar but they're just low enough sugar on the dosage that they don't have to report there's any sugar because it's like 0.4 percent or whatever because they're because it's one little one that you take so they say sugar free on them when they're really not sugar free and i was like you are so smart kid like (laughs) i love that they're thinking and they're you know questioning and that that that's important for you to realize that they can't just take everything at face value Mm -hmm. especially the media and especially you need to realize what's presented and how it's presented Kids being taught how to think, not what to think. And that's the other problem with our culture today, I think, too, that we face. So, We need to take a short break right now, but stay tuned to Divine Mercy Radio. Whether you're listening via radio, smartphone app, Amazon Echo, or at dbmercy.com, please know we'll be right back with more about Issues for Catholic Mothers with Allison Ochoa and Mary Schrader. We're back on One Body, Stewarding God's Creation. One body, one body, stewarding God's creation. Allison Ochoa and Mary Schrader. One body, one body. Issues for Catholic Mothers. One body, stewarding God's creation. Ken Billinger conducts the interview. Our guests, Allison Ochoa and Mary Schrader, talking about issues with Cat that Catholic mothers deal with. Did I say that right before I was thinking when I made that comment? I don't know if I said that backwards about the culture teaches our kids what to think instead of how to think. I, mm-hmm. I did say that yeah. right. Because I, I, you, you guys kind of looked at me funny, and I thought, <laughs> did I say that wrong? Anyway, Maybe just making sure. We were processing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what did he say that sounded profound? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I have to write that down. That profound, never, that doesn't come out of my mouth. Um, so let's talk about... Um, you know, and this is a toughie, I think, too. I thought maybe the question on mass was tough, but I think this one is, too. How do mothers teach the faith when dad isn't on board or maybe not be Catholic? But I, I, we, we've talked about this issue, how important it is for dads to be plugged in and being those spiritual leaders of the household. But how do you how do you deal with something like that when maybe dad isn't on board? My thought is to pray. Obviously, you know, there's you look at St. Monica and, and she prayed for the, the conversion of her husband as well as the, the reversion of St. Augustine. So, you know, prayer is the most essential element, I think. And I would say that for Catholic moms specifically, don't be afraid 
to enlist the prayers of other Catholic moms. I know in our Catholic motherhood group, you know, that's a big thing. We pray a lot for each other. And I think just being able to reach out to faithful Catholic women who, you know, who could, everybody can spare a few extra prayers for somebody and just, you know, to have this specific intention because it it affects the well-being of their family. I think that's always an important thing. Well, and here's another thing on that, on the idea of having others pray for you. It's great to have your friends pay for you, but I am, um, (laughs) this is kind of silly, but I, I donate to a lot of different charities, right? I donate to like, um, Catholic Answers, EWTN, Food for the Poor, the St. Paul Center, the Capuchins, some Franciscans. And when they send me a little envelope always, you know, acknowledging my my giving, they always have a prayer card in there. And I always fill those out and send them back. I'm like, hello, I have prayer requests. Yes, please. And I feel like it's my own little personal prayer army. And like, they move mountains. I really feel it. Like they, they, they are grateful for your gifts. And I would give to them either way because I like their missions. But I mean, even here for Divine Mercy Radio, they have a prayer page. Like, don't be ashamed to ask people to pray for you and your intentions. Mm. I think it gets tricky sometimes because, I mean, telling people face to face that you know and see every day, it's almost harder. And and, and to actually just ask for the prayer sometimes because you're like, I don't want opinions. I don't want, and you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I, I respect that. So sometimes we keep it more anonymous if you want, you know, with face to face. But with these la- these places, I just laid out because they don't know me. <laughs> All they know is my donation. And they just, I, I really feel that I've, I've seen prayers answered that I've, yeah. you know, that are always on my heart. So like, don't be afraid to, to reach out and, and have those communities. Like, I think we forget, you know, you can have masses said for things. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's just so many, so much good prayer going on out there already. Like tap. Mm-hmm into that line, you know? Yeah, and this is an area where social media can really be a good thing for us and for our spiritual journey. I know that Mary and I are both part of a few different solidly Catholic online groups, um, primarily on Facebook. And I mean, I'm telling you, you ask for a prayer and those ladies are on it. They are all over it and praying for you and whatever intention it is that you hold. So don't be afraid to tap into the, the prayers of others. I think that's really important and sometimes something we don't always think about. I would also tell that mom, that woman whose husband isn't necessarily on board, that regardless of what your your husband thinks of this, still get yourself and your children to the sacraments. If they've made their sacraments, make sure that they you know have come to Mass every week and receive the Eucharist. Make sure that you are going regularly to confession. Make sure you're setting that example for your children. If you're preparing them for the sacraments, you know, bring them to mass, make sure they're coming to mass with you on a regular basis and make sure they know that when you leave on, you know, a Saturday afternoon at 345 that you're going to to mass or you're going to to confession, you know, all of those types of things. I think that's really important. The other thing is make sure that prayer and faith is a daily part of your children's lives, because we will never know how many people, how many adults were brought back to the church, were brought to the church to begin with through the prayers of a child you know, because of a pr- the prayers of a child. And I, I've heard so many older people say, oh, you know, children, God listens to children in a special way. And, and whether or not he does, I don't know. But I think, you know, obviously there's a special place in, in everyone's heart for children. And I think they have a, a special way of communicating with God. And so, so having those intentions and, and having your kids pray and be active in the faith on a daily basis, I think that's really important. And it helps them grow, but it can also have a positive impact on your husband. And then my last thing that I would say about this is continue to gently invite dad in. Continue to in, to gently invite him to mass and to the, you know, first communions and to the confirmations and to all of those things and, and invite him to sit and pray because even if he doesn't vocalize it, his presence really it means a lot. It it communicates a lot by him just being there. 
Well, and I would also say make sure it's no strings attached. You're not guilting right. them in right. or, or, or withholding or, or in any way. You know, it's just we'd really like it if you could be there. But if you can't, we totally, you know, yeah. it's, not, it's not like, well, then you're going to have to cook dinner for the next week. You know? <laughs> yeah, no threats. Just make it a gentle invitation. I think that's a good thing. And I know this is a tough one. Sometimes you can do everything right. But sometimes th- things still happen. Well, I say I've seen parents that were, do everything right, but their children eventually still stray from the faith. So what encouragement can you give to mothers who have done that, but maybe that's happened to them? <laughs> well, this question is kind of, I have a similar answer to the last question. You know, like Allison was saying, we, uh, what first comes to mind for me is always just uh, St. Monica, who, you know, prayed for the conversion of St. Augustine his whole life. Like that just... Um, never stop praying. That's really the heart of the issue, I feel like. I know my husband uh, always would say before we were dating and stuff, he's like, I I got myself into so many stupid situations and it was only my grandmother, I think, praying for me at church that managed to just like, he would, he would be like right on the verge of doing something really dumb. And then for whatever reason, it wouldn't happen. And he's like, it's all because of my grandmother. <laughs> like <laughs> she prayed for me every day. I know she did. And it, it just really, you could tell the fruit in his life and there's nothing, it's irreplaceable. You know, even, even when the children grow up and become their own person and move off, they never, they're never so far that they can't be reached by God and his mercy. And we just need to keep asking and imploring that they'll bring him back. Well, along the lines of asking and imploring, um, you know, I mentioned inviting dad to, to join in the prayers um, in the previous question with the children who have left the faith. I think it's a good idea to continue. And again, I don't speak from experience, so take this for what it's worth. But I think continuing to invite them, invite them back to the church, invite them back to mass. Maybe it's just inviting you them to join you in a rosary or come to adoration with me for 15 minutes or, you know, just little things. And, and you keep asking and kind of wearing them down. It's like the, the women in the judge, you know, the woman that kept asking the judge and wearing yeah. the judge down in the Bible. Um, so I think that that's important, just continuing to extend the invitation from you know maybe enlist dad if it's if it's a son that's gone away from the faith enlist dad and have dad ask i know on the radio station here we constantly talk about the different men's groups that meet around the the community and have dad invite him to join them in in communion or what you know whatever it is that they do at their at their men's uh, groups bible study or whatever the other thing is you know we live in an era where challenges are really a big deal the ice bucket challenge the oh I don't know who can stick their feet in ice cold water. I don't know whatever the challenge might be, but we're in an era where challenges are so huge. And I think issuing a challenge to people sometimes is like, okay, I'm going to you know put my money where my mouth is, so to speak. And so, you know, challenge them to, I know Father Fred's talked about this a lot, but challenge your son or daughter to listen to an hour of Catholic radio a week. If that doesn't, you know, do it for two months, three months. And if that doesn't change something, you know, there's a deep seated problem, but, you know, really that hopefully would just nourish that seed that's still in there and and get them to, um, you know, get them to really start thinking about, you know, maybe it is, there is something that I'm missing there. Mm -hmm. And that's really important. Well, and on a higher level, you know, obviously um, we're probably talking about older children, obviously, because if they're younger, you know, you can always strong arm them to church with you if you (laughs) have to, but get father to give them an extra blessing. But um, college ministry, a lot of times there's some really good campus ministry out there. And if you can, get them hooked up to that, you know, you know, 
attend with them or find somebody who goes and, and introduce them to someone or, you know, get, get some accountability going with some good people in their lives that might make an influence on them if, you know, they're off away at college. You know, I drove 16 hours to college. My parents were, their, their influence on me was minimal by that point. But thankfully, you know, I drove 16 hours to go to a really good college. But that's not always the case, you know. And so if, I know there's really good ministries out there, though, that can really, and they're wanting to reach people. So if you can be that bridge to get them into something else where they can get it from another side, too, to yeah. continue to wear away, wear away those defenses to this God that loves us so much. It's kind of interesting because we just in, in our diaconate, form, diaconate formation just had bioethics and we were talking about gender. And uh, it, was, it was interesting because I said, well, how many genders do I mean, we know how many genders there are, but I just decided to look it up. So I Googled how many genders are there? And that particular week, um, because I'm sure it's incre- <laughs> increased from that f- since then, there were 63. And I just looked at that and I'm just scratching my head going, where does this stuff come from? So these are things that kids are exposed to. And I guess all I can say at this point is I'm so glad I don't have young kids that I have to say, okay, here's the deal. Uh, but I'm going to let you ladies roll with this. Well, one. like like I was saying in the other questions, though, I mean, our culture is confused and we need to we have to start teaching our children that as young as they are. And this is just a an upfront attack, I feel like, against what we know to be true. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, I always would start with making sure that from a young age, children know what marriage is and they know that it's between one man and one woman and they know that, you know, they're a boy or they're a girl and start with the basics, you know, Mm -hmm. build that foundation. And I think this is something that we're tackling. It's a new challenge for all of us parents because we haven't, when we grew up, you know, we didn't have these types of things. Um, So personally, I'm big on resources. I'm big on books and I'm big on, you know, going to people who have researched this and and have really done the legwork because that's how I learn. And so I've got a book and I actually got it earlier this year, but it's called Made This Way, How to Prepare Kids to Face Today's Tough Moral Issues. And it's written by Layla Miller and Trent Horn. And Trent Horn is an uh, um, apologist with Catholic Answers. He's Mm -hmm. one of their their key apologists. And there's a whole section, a whole couple of sections actually on transgender identity, same-sex marriage, homosexuality in this book. And, you know, he goes through things talking about the difference between sex and gender. And like you, you know, obviously when they put this to press, Facebook had just come out, I think there were like 58 genders that they, when you sign up for your Facebook account or when you want to go in and change your your profile, you can pick from any one of these 58 genders. And I didn't take the time to go in and Facebook and look at what (laughs) the options were. But, you know, I think that's, like you said, it, it really speaks to the confusion that our, you know, the people in our in our generation and in our culture have today, but I also think that we have to look at the identity and perception versus reality. You know, I would love to say, and on a good day, I might say, you know, I feel like a supermodel. I just got my hair done or whatever. The reality is, I am a five foot five fluffy gal, and I am not a supermodel. So you know, it really truly goes to our perceptions versus our reality. And and I think that teaching kids the reality and the truth and natural law and getting that kind of information um, instilled in their minds will really, you know, as an, at an early age, will really help them as they grow up and start facing these issues, you know, away from the family, the family unit. Well, and I think we need to break down some of the stereotypes that kind of lead into this, too. You know, I mean, my daughter is very into sports. Well, not sports, but more boyish things and, you know, plainer clothing. She's like, I don't want people to to look at me and be like, oh, well, well, she's 
she's, you know, just a girl. You know what I mean? Yeah. They don't want that negative connotation, kind of like, oh, well, she just wants to sit around and be dainty. She's like, no, I want to go climb the tree. I want to go <laughs> running through the forest and, yeah. and wade in the water. Like, I want to get out there and do stuff. And I need clothing that speaks to me. And I'm like, that's totally fine. You know, yeah. embrace it and wear that. Like, you don't have to wear dresses just because you're a girl, you know? Right. And the clothes don't make the person. The clothes don't make you a man or a woman. And, you know, guys can wear pink. It doesn't, you know, just because they're wearing pink doesn't mean, <laughs> oh, you're a girl. My you know? husband's Friday shirt happens to be pink. He's, he's met one. <laughs> right. Well, and I think it also, it goes, when you think about little kids, especially, you know, what who, what person in their right mind, my, my son, my three-year-old, for the better part of a couple of months, regularly, like almost on a daily basis, goes through and his, his perception of himself is that he's a dinosaur. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm not going to turn him over to the folks at Sternberg Museum. You know what I'm saying? I mean, Is that I, one of those genders right, out there? Right. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I think that, you know, you get into um, compassion versus embracing an ideal that isn't the truth. And that you, you there's a, there's a fine line, but it, you've got to stay on the side of compassion. And um, and in this book, there was there was one example that was really really good. And they were talking about embracing or encouraging people who have what they call I think it's body dysphoria, is what they were talking about. And they made the I can just read this the short part of the book, but they said when a person has a body dysphoria unrelated to sex or gender, everyone understands that the person needs help. When an anorexic looks in the mirror, she might see someone who is obese, even if she weighs much less than everyone else her age. We don't tell that girl, that's right, you are overweight and we will help you reach the weight that's right for you. Mm. Instead, we say what you perceive yourself to be, well, that isn't you. In reality, you are dangerously underweight and because we love you, we aren't going to help you harm yourself. This is a loving response. Mm. And I think just getting that into our heads, you know, what is the loving response to these different you know, I'm I'm a girl, you know, I pre- but I present I'm going to be a boy. I, you know, I've decided that I'm going to be a guy. Well, I'm not going to let you live a lie. I'm not going to let you or, or encourage you um, into something that I know will harm you at some point. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something that we always have to consider, especially as parents and getting our kids thinking in those times of those terms. Yeah. And um, I listened to a, a wow, Facebook Live Summit something or other with Father uh, Jarrett Conradi the other day, and he was talking a little bit about this. Um, he was talking about Matthew Kelly's um, seven levels of intimacy and how um, there's di- you know there's different levels of intimacy. One is like just to convey information, and then you go deeper with ideas and needs and wants and such. And there's obviously seven of them, but he was saying that sometimes kids these days don't experience that intimacy with their parents. And so when they get in school or whatever, they come across, um, you know, someone of the same gender. Sometimes this isn't all of them, but sometimes they come across someone of the same gender and they're naturally drawn to them. And so then the world says, well, if you naturally like somebody, then obviously you must be sexual with this person. And it's like the difference between intimacy and sexual relations, like the world doesn't see one, but there is a difference. And we need to be aware of that for our children to realize that you can be intimate with someone and you can express ideas and you can, you know, have wants and dreams and hopes, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to lead to this sexual relationship. They don't go hand in hand. It's not, it's, it's like, that's a, that's one of the lies that we're catching up to. And so it's okay to have friends of the same gender and to share with them and to love them and to, you know, care about them. Like that's totally fine. You know, it's just, and we want that for everybody. Absolutely. You know? And so it's, it, I, I really feel like they're indoctrinating kids nowadays so young that they get confused and they don't realize that you can be intimate with people without having the other, the the inappropriate, you know, right. relationship right. in that sense. Some great points this afternoon, ladies. We're about 
to wrap up. We've just got a couple minutes left. So, ladies, so if you could maybe quickly uh, give us an answer on this question as far as how you feel that motherhood heals and sanctifies you. And that may not be an easy thing to do in a short amount of time. But if you can do that within just within the next minute or so here. I would say two things. First of all, it gives you the opportunity to put the corporal works of mercy into action every day. on a daily basis. Um, and my favorite, one of my favorite lines is from a shirt that I got from Noel Garcia. And she says, um, what does she say? Home is my mission territory. I feed the hungry and clothe the naked all day long. Um, and the second thing I would say is that it's a very humbling role. It's a very humbling vocation. So, um, yeah, those were my, those are my two. Um, I would say don't. it takes a village, so don't be ashamed to ask people for help, mm. especially now as I have more kids. I'm, I'm always like, <laughs> could you hold the baby? Can, can you catch my three-year-old? You know, keep them all together. Like, right. don't be ashamed to ask for help for your... And we have a great Catholic ma- ladies group here in town that I just really appreciate, you know, all those friends mm-hmm. that can reach out to us emotionally and spiritually and in other ways. Thank you for listening to Divine Mercy Radio. Whether you're listening via radio, smartphone, app, Amazon Echo, or... At dvmercy.com, we appreciate you tuning in to this week's One Body Stewarding God's Creation. If you have a comment about today's show, please go to dvmercy.com and click on the One Body icon. The comment button is in the middle of the page. And folks, eternity is not seen. Neither are these airwaves. But if you can support these radio waves and help save souls for eternity, then please go to dvmercy.com and click on Donate, where your donation will be seen and appreciated. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio, 105.7 KMDG Hayes, 101.7 KJDM, Lindsberg Salina, 88.1 K. RTT Great Band and 88.1 KVDM Hayes. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts.